the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We're in Luke chapter 9 today as we take a look at the feeding of the 5,000. Join us. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, this is Abounding Grace. Hello and welcome to our program today. We're in Luke chapter 9, looking at verses 11 through 17. Cross-reference will be Mark chapter 6, verses 33 through 44. It's the feeding of the 5,000, the significance of this feeding, and how it applies to you and I today. Join us for this edition of Abounding Grace. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner. If you happen to play a trivia game and someone asks, which is the one and only miracle that is recorded in all four of the Gospels? Tell them it is the feeding of the 5,000. All the Gospel writers consider this, the feeding of the 5,000, to be of such importance in understanding the true identity and mission of Jesus that each of them included it in their accounts of Jesus' ministry. This is sort of a climax in Jesus' ministry. Things begin to change here. He's been on an extended preaching ministry with his disciples, and he continues to preach. But now, from this point on, through the rest of his life, attention is drawn more and more to his death, and his resurrection. And if you have time this evening, read the account in each of these Gospels. They all present a complete picture of this event, but each with their own emphasis. Matthew presents it in the context of rival powers of good and evil, faith and unbelief, tradition and truth. And in the midst of it, the great supreme power of them all, the Lord Jesus Christ, performs this miracle. Mark brings it up, drawing a contrast to the sumptuous and sensual meal that Herod provided, which led to the execution of John the Baptist, with this miraculous meal that the Lord Jesus Christ provided for his own in the wilderness. Luke's preface tells us that this meal resulted from Jesus feeling compassion for the crowd. And once again, Luke impresses us with his great theme that the Lord's Christ is Christ the Lord, the Son of God who came to seek and to save that which is lost. And then John's emphasis is on the sovereignty of the Lord Jesus Christ in all of this. And more so than any of the other gospel writers, he brings up the point of it all by an extended discussion on Jesus Christ being the bread of life who gives life to the world. Now, in the collection of commentaries that you can find on the book of Luke, 
you are given three basic interpretations of this passage of Scripture. Two of them are liberal, and trust me, not based on fact. They overlook things in the gospel. They read things into the gospel. But believe it or not, they are very popular. The first interpretation is that there was no objective miracle that even took place at all. That this miracle simply took place in people's hearts. That Jesus' preaching was so loving that he induced people to share their food with one another. Then there's another interpretation that this was just simply a sacramental event. And they really didn't eat a meal. They just got little pieces of wafers. But the only tenable interpretation, the one that is obviously the interpretation of the gospel writers themselves, is that here in the feeding of thy 5,000, we have God, the Son incarnate, performing an actual miracle that only God could perform. And with just a handful of loaves and fish, he makes 10,000 people full. This is a miracle of unanswerable proof that Jesus Christ is God himself. Jesus satisfied the hunger of more than 5,000 people. And I say more than 5,000 people because our text says that there were 5,000 men who were there to participate in the Passover, not counting all the wives and children who followed along. So there were well over 10,000 people there that day at least. And the miracle is that with just five loaves of bread and two fish, 10,000 or more people had their hunger satisfied. And all of this would have been impossible without a supernatural multiplication of the food. Now you have charlatans and Phony faith healers who attempt and feign various kinds of healings. But I have never heard of a faith healer or a charlatan or a false prophet yet that has ever attempted this miracle and tried to convince 10,000 people that they were full when in fact they were still hungry. And yet that is exactly what Jesus did. Although he actually filled the stomachs of over 10,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And beloved, that is conclusive proof that this man, Jesus Christ, was God incarnate. Now get the picture here. Use your imagination and consider what took place that day. It was on a mountainside in Bethsaida, in the northeast side of Galilee. It was toward evening. 5,000 men and thousands more women and children were there. They had gathered in that part of the country to celebrate the Passover. Jesus had them all sit down in groups of 50 and hundreds on a grassy hillside. And then he miraculously multiplied five flat barley loaves and two pieces of salted or roasted fish. More and more loaves kept coming from his hand until everyone present had eaten his or her full. 
The apostles then collected 12 baskets of leftovers. Then after the meal was over and the remaining food gathered, the people tried to force Jesus to be their king. But Jesus sent the disciples away to the other side of Bethsaida, and he himself departed into a mountain to pray. And what is interesting is the conversation between Jesus and his apostles just prior to the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus was teaching this large multitude of people many things about the kingdom of God for several hours. And he didn't finish until about dinner time, it says. Then the apostles come up to him and say, you know, this crowd is hungry. They've been here all day. So why don't we send them back to the local towns nearby so they can eat and spend the night? But Jesus had other plans. So in Luke 9.13 we read, He said to them, You give them something to eat. And they, the apostles, said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we perhaps go and buy food for all of these people. And Mark adds, But he, Jesus, answered and said to them, You will give them something to eat. And they said, Should we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give them something to eat? Now it's important for us to understand what is happening here in this conversation between Jesus and his apostles because there are some significant things for us to learn. First of all, it is obvious that Jesus set this whole situation up. Jesus created this situation. He knew from the start what he was going to do with these crowds after he finished teaching near supper time. In fact, John actually says that's that very thing in the sixth chapter, the sixth verse. He himself knew what he was intending to do. Beloved, this was no accident. Also, And the questions that the apostles asked Jesus, we see that they were quite disrespectful. They show a lack of understanding as to the true identity of Jesus. It was Philip speaking for the others who seemed stressed out with hopelessness because, of course, of the meager resources that the twelve had. And because they didn't trust Jesus showing they lacked a true understanding of who Jesus was. So he asked, do you want us to spend 200 denarii for food? Why, that wouldn't even buy enough for everyone to have even a small taste, much less a satisfying dinner. And besides that, even if we have enough food to feed 10,000 people, how are we going to get it to them? And that is the essence of their questions of unbelief. He is saying, Jesus, you have asked us to do such an absurd impossibility. My friends, have you ever said something like that to Jesus? Have you ever said to him when no one seems to be listening, what are you demanding of me? You're expecting much too much. It's too hard. It's too heavy. It's not realistic. I just don't have what it takes to do what you're asking me to do, Jesus. 
And that's exactly what the apostles were saying. They asked, where in the world are we going to get enough food for all of these people? And how did Jesus answer them? Bring me the food you have. And the rest is history. You see, we are empty resources, you and I. To meet the otherwise overwhelming demands of life, just as the apostles were facing over 10,000 hungry people with five loaves of bread and two pieces of fish, we need an outside resource of power. And Jesus had and still has the power to enable us to carry out the heaviest burdens of life as we trust in Him. To use his power and his grace in our lives to hold us up. To keep us going when things are difficult. So we can cope with the burdens and meet the demands that he places on our lives. Remember, just as Jesus had set the whole thing up. And was in complete control of the situation with the 5,000. So he is in complete control of the situations of our lives, causing them all to work together for good to those who love and serve Him. So every time you and I find ourselves in what we believe to be difficult situations, we must remember the feeding of the 5,000 and be moved to say, beloved, in spite of all of our weaknesses and all of our deficiencies, which are multiple, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If Jesus fed 10,000 with close to nothing, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you see, in the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus is teaching his disciples that they can trust him as God incarnate to provide for their every need by his almighty power. But all of the apostles could see that day was their own deficiency, like we do. Sometimes in inexcusable unbelief, we see our deficiencies and our weaknesses and our burdens as bigger than the power of God. So I call on you today, as Christ called upon the disciples to bring food to himself so he could replenish it in the lives of the crowds. Bring your needs and your inadequacies and your failures and your weaknesses to Christ. Humble yourselves under his mighty hand. Cast all of your cares on him, for he cares for you and is able to give you relief and strength in the darkest of hours and in your weakest moments. His grace is still all sufficient for every single one of us. It's all you need. So that when you are weak, then you are strong because you are relying on Him and not on yourself. He has power and solutions and ideas for you that you have not yet even imagined. So when you go through troubling times... Don't ever measure his ability to help you by your ability to measure his abilities. 
My God is able to supply all your means according to his riches in glory through Christ our Lord. And remember, after all, what we learned a couple of weeks ago. The Lord is my shepherd, and he is all I want. I lack of nothing when I have him. There was one apostle there that day that may have had more faith than all the rest. All the rest were hopeless as they stood there before Jesus' command to feed the crowds. But I love what Andrew did. And Andrew is perhaps my favorite disciple because every time you read about him in the Gospels, he is bringing someone to Jesus. Jesus said, we need to feed these people. You feed them. Andrew said, I've got a little boy here with five loaves and two fish. Can you imagine the response of the other apostles? Oh, great. What can we do with that? Now, his faith may not have been complete, but it seems to me that Andrew may have had the simple faith to trust Jesus to perform a miracle that day. Well, what was Jesus' exact response to the disciples when they suggested that he send the crowds away to local hotels and restaurants? In Matthew 14, verses 16 through 18, we have Jesus' complete response in an answer to their question. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Now, if these disciples had faith, Rather than being filled with unbelief, here is how they would have understood Jesus' statement. If we are to give food to this multitude of people, when we have so little food in our possession, and if there's no need to send these people away to find their own dinner, then Jesus must have a source of power and a source of food we are overlooking. But they didn't think that way. They failed to understand who he was. And so they literally stood there hopeless. Jesus is urging them to believe that the Savior of sinners is the Almighty God incarnate himself who promised to gather and feed his sheep himself. And when he wills for something to happen, it happens. And when he commands for something to happen, it happens. He has infinite resources of power and goodness to satisfy the needs of all of his creatures. Think of Psalm 104 where we read these words concerning all of life. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and vegetation for the labor of man so that he may bring forth food from the earth. They, all, all creatures, wait for thee to give them their food in due season. Thou dost open thy hand and they are satisfied with good. And if he is able to care for his subhuman creatures so abundantly, how much more abundantly, as the feeding of the 5,000 show, will he care for those whom he created in his own image? Here is the one, after all, who created light out of darkness and order out of disorder, strength out of weakness, joy out of sorrow, and he can create food out of absolutely nothing at all, a food that satisfies the heart and the soul as well as the body. It would be easy for us to fall into despair when we think about the depravity of man and the hardened defiance of unbelievers against our witness to them of the gospel if it were not for the fact 
that Jesus fed these 5,000. That Jesus proved himself to be almighty God incarnate. He is able to do whatever he pleases, accomplish whatever he intends, carry out whatever he declares. And all the human beings on earth and all the demons in the abyss cannot stop him or frustrate his plans or keep him from doing whatever he wants to do in our lives, beloved. Ours is to simply trust him, to worship him, to serve him. In the feeding of the 5,000, we see Jesus incarnate using the same creative power by which he created a whole universe out of nothing to meet the most basic needs of simple, undeserving people. And he still does that today. This is the kind of faith that Jesus wanted to see in the apostles and that he wants to see in all of us, a faith that trusts in him completely Because that faith knows him to be the one who has all power over his entire created order. Learn to live this life of faith, beloved. Trusting in him for everything. Even when it seems impossible. Because that's the normal Christian life. If your life as a Christian is one of defeatism exasperation, discouragement, or frustration. That is not normal. That is abnormal for a Christian. You don't have to live like that. One second longer. Even in the midst of these turbulent times, take your eyes off of yourself and your misery, and you set them on Jesus Christ. Do what modern man thinks is foolish and and irresponsible. Trust in Jesus Christ completely for everything you're worrying about in your life. Trust in Jesus completely for everything you are worried about in your life. And then stop worrying. God's word says be anxious for nothing. For nothing. Let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Beloved, this is the life of faith. This is the normal Christian life. And this is what Jesus wants us to learn from the feeding of the 5,000. Now, there's a gospel in this miracle. That is, all the miracles in their final analysis have something to tell us and reveal to us about the Lord Jesus Christ and his redemptive work. And this miracle has basically three great truths about Jesus. One we actually looked at two weeks ago when we saw it in reference to Jesus, taking the apostles to a quiet place in the wilderness to fellowship with him. And that is that Jesus Christ is the divine human shepherd that the Old Testament prophet spoke of, providing for his people in the wilderness. Remember, I showed the context of this story from Ezekiel 34, and that it fulfills that great prophecy to a T. That God says he's going to send his son, who is also the descendant of David, and he is going to save his flock from tyrannical shepherds. He's going to restore them to his favor. 
He's going to personally feed them and care for them and protect them even in the wilderness of life. And then he's going to turn their wildernesses into beautiful gardens. And remember that the Lord Jesus Christ told the disciples to sit down on green grass on the hillside in order to eat. And Ezekiel 34:14 says, I will feed them in a good pasture, and their grazing ground will be on the high mountains of Israel, and they will lie down in good grazing ground, and they will feed in rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. So when Jesus was saying to them, recline on the green grass, he was echoing Ezekiel 34. And he was consciously saying, I am God Almighty. So the first thing we learn from this is that Jesus is the promised Messiah, the divine human shepherd who would gather his sheep to himself and feed them. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then... May Christ be your abounding grace.